Welcome to the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. I'm Dr. Chris Tucker from the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and founding editor of the podcast. Today we are discussing arthroscopic knee surgery, preoperative corticosteroid injections, and the risk of infection. For this episode, I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Brian Forsythe, Associate Professor at Rush University Medical Center and Team Physician for the Chicago Fire, White Sox, and Bulls. Dr. Forsythe was the lead author on the article titled Corticosteroid Injections One Month Before Arthroscopic Meniscectomy Increase the Risk of Surgical Site Infection, which was published in the September 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal. His co-authors include Enrico Forlenza, Avinash Agarwala, Matthew Cohn, Olivia Lavoie-Gagné, Yining Liu, and Randy Mascarenas. Brian, congratulations on your work and welcome to the podcast. Chris, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'd like to begin our discussion with some background on this study and was hoping you could share with us how the idea came about and how you got involved. Well, I think there's been a sort of a proliferation of database research that's been done in the past uh, five or 10 years or so. And the the nature of this research really lends itself to looking at rare events. So uh, there's been a lot of good work coming from uh, authors uh, who I know personally, like Jordan uh, Kankian and uh, Brian Werner, who have pub- uh, published quite a bit in arthroscopy uh, regarding uh, perioperative infections. Uh, and I, I myself did a, a study in shoulder uh, procedures, uh, specifically rotator cuff uh, tears, correlating injections with increased infection sites. And no one had looked at preoperative injections. And I thought, what a neat idea for a clinical situation, which presents itself so commonly in regular orthopedic practice. Sure. I always enjoy reading papers that stem from a clinical question because I think they have, you know, a lot of external validity validity for us who practice, you know, regularly and try and keep up with the literature. So I appreciate kind of how that evolved and how that came about. And I'm excited to talk about your results. So to jump right in, as you stated in your paper, you had multiple purposes for this study. So first, you wanted to define the incidence of postoperative infections in patients receiving steroid injections prior to arthroscopic meniscectomy. Second, you set out to determine if there was a temporal relationship between the injections and the risk of surgical site infections. And then lastly, you were looking to identify any corresponding risk factors. Can you just go over for us the methodology for your study and how you went about answering those clinical questions? Absolutely. And not to bore you with too many uh, statistical details, but we did uh, a univariate analysis with a binary logistic regression. And we looked at uh, independent risk factors for surgical site infection at 12 intervals. So we looked specifically at each month before the procedure is performed up to a year. So that uh, allowed us to look at the temporal relationship between injections and the occurrence of a postoperative infection. Now, as you stated before, this was a database study. What database did you use, and how do you go about choosing that? So we use uh, Pearl Diver, which is a Humana-based uh, database, which is, I believe, the largest compilation of clinical data in commercial insurance payers. And it's made available to researchers who are, again, looking for rare events, and uh, they provide the data, which allows us to do meaningful interpretation of those events uh, in the context uh, of a very large heterogeneous uh, population. So now that we have kind of effectively set the stage, can you share with us what your key findings were? Uh, yes. Uh, so it's, it's well established that male sex, uh, COPD, diabetes, obesity, tobacco, et cetera, 
predispose patients to postoperative infections uh, following arthroscopic procedures, specifically the knee. We looked at the effect of uh, a preoperative injection, and we found that if a preoperative corticosteroid injection was performed within a month or within four weeks of the procedure, that the odds ratio almost doubled for a postoperative infection. So uh, the likelihood or uh, percentage of infection or rate is about 0.63% without an injection, and, uh, and that goes up to 12 months. And within a month, uh, you've doubled this rate at 1.28%. So you've had an odds ratio approaching two for occurrence of an infection postoperatively up to six months, which in clinical practice is a big deal. We've got a, almost uh, over half million meniscectomies performed per year. So you're looking at uh, the difference uh, of a two, two or 3,000 infections annually based on clinical practice with respect to preoperative injections. Sure. And I know you guys looked at a, a bunch of other things as well, um, which you, you know, we can talk about in a little bit. Were you surprised by any of the findings in your investigation, either in a positive or negative way? You know, it's well established that preoperative injections are associated with postoperative infections in the arthroplasty literature. So we weren't terribly surprised. I was a little, a little surprised at uh, the effect that it had with uh, almost doubling uh, within a month for an injection preceding the procedure itself. So uh, that was alarming. And that was a take-home message, which I thought was very well conveyed by this paper. Sure. And as I said, you know, your results confirm several other findings. Like you mentioned, prior studies have stated that male sex, diabetes, obesity, tobacco use, among other factors, are independent risk factors for infection after knee scopes. However, in reading your paper, I found it most interesting that you identified this temporal relationship between the preoperative steroid injection and the infection, as you said, almost doubling the risk if given within a month. Now, interestingly, like you said, there's no direct pathway connecting corticosteroid injections with postoperative infections. I was just curious to hear your thoughts on what the proposed theories are on why that increased risk might exist. That's a great question. And, uh, you know, we think of uh, injections as being benign, but in reality, every time you perforate the skin and introduce a, a needle, you're contaminating the joints. So there is an obligate uh, bacterial contamination which occurs with injection of a large joint. When you inject a corticosteroid, you're suppressing the inflammatory uh, cytokine response. So you're decreasing levels of IL-6. You're diminishing the uh, acute uh, protein uh, proliferation response, which normally would occur in the setting of infection. So you're sort of priming the joint uh, for a problem, so to speak. So I think it's, it is clearly uh, twofold. It's, it's bacterial contamination and then immunomodulation or suppression of uh, a normal immune response that is likely underlying this phenomenon. Sure. I, thinking outside the box just for a minute, you know, I, I read through your methodology and under I understand the Pearl Diver database studies a little bit. I've never done one myself, but as you described, you know, sorting through the coding and, and kind of looking at the injections and A, deciding whether or not an injection was done and then B, what was in the injection, you were able to sort out, you know, steroid injections versus visco supplementation or, you know, PRP or other substances. Um, and you just looked at the steroid injections but I wonder, you know, with this multifactorial theory of where it comes from, you know, the increased risk, I wonder what the, theory, what the increased risk may or may not be from non-steroid injections pre-op. 
Yeah, I think that's a great question, and, and it's you know I think good research lends uh, itself to to more research, and, and we're we're currently looking at that. Uh, I would think that uh, injecting uh, viscous supplementation obviously wouldn't have the same inhibitory effect on the immune response, uh, and then injecting PRP actually, you know, theoretically would stimulate the cytokine response. So uh, I would postulate that you may not see the same uh, effect. Uh, so Again, you may you may have contamination with visco or with PRP, but you're not going to uh, suppress or immunomodulate to the same extent. So it's a great concept or or study or study idea, uh, and we're looking at it. Uh, the the issue there is you don't really know what specifically is being injected if uh, commercial payers aren't reimbursing for things like like PRP. Uh, viscous supplementation is more frequently covered, so that might be an easier comparison. Sure. No, it's exciting to hear that you're you're still kind of focusing on this because, you know, like you opened with, I think the best research is the research that kind of answers a clinical question and that helps us guide our daily practice. So along those lines, as, as a nice segue, this present study adds to the growing body of data drawing a connection between perioperative injections and post-op infection surrounding arthroscopic surgery. Various joints have been looked at, the knee, the shoulder, the hip, and over various timeframes, you know, ranging from one to three months. And like you mentioned before, you were involved in the rotator cuff study that I've read. Can you share with us how you're incorporating this collective information into your clinical practice and what recommendations you have maybe for our listeners who are maybe you know, hearing about this info for the first time and trying to figure out how they're going to incorporate it into their daily practice? Absolutely. I mean, there's clear-cut evidence now that anything within four weeks predisposes to infection. So uh, in my practice, I'm going to wait at least six weeks uh, to give myself a little bit of a cushion before proceeding with an arthroscopic debridement uh, following corticosteroid injection. I might extend that to three months if I'm thinking that there's a, a meniscus repair or some type of implant that's uh, being planned for. With respect to uh, shoulders, I, I would probably wait three months or so. I think, I think I'd give myself a little bit more leeway because you may be more inclined to have to repair something, which I think with uh, retained hardware creates another potential uh, risk factor for an infection, which may be harder to clear. In terms of how I treat the knee uh, postoperatively, I'm going to wait at least three months uh, to do an injection. And there's, there's excellent research, as I alluded to earlier, suggesting that uh, post-operative infection rates are increased two and a half to three and a half times if it's done before uh, three months or so. So I, I hope um, that's of use to you and, um, and to those who are listening as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, there's, I think there's a lot of validity to, like you said, letting evidence and science you know, base our clinical decision-making. So that's one of the main reasons I really appreciated this study, you know, because I think it helps guide our daily practice. You and your co-authors acknowledge several limitations to this study, some of which are inherent to database studies as a whole, um, which you address in your methodology as best you can. Would you like to briefly discuss those? And if you think there are any implications for the conclusions drawn from your work? Absolutely. So, you know, the, you were lacking a little bit of granularity uh, with any database study. So you're very dependent on uh, CPT codes and, and the like. So uh, we can't really differentiate between the size of the tear, the location of the tear, and how that might influence uh, our outcomes. Furthermore, we don't really know what the injection technique was. 
uh, and how accurately it was performed. So we know that a large joint has been aspirated and or injected. And in this study, they're all injected with corticosteroid, but uh, there are details uh, relating to the specific technique that uh, we cannot really investigate uh, to a greater extent. Furthermore, infection severity, you know, were, were the infections reported uh, superficial skin infections? Uh, were patients actually presenting with septic joints or did they develop systemic sepsis? Those are other uh, limitations which we have yet to elucidate and investigate, and some of them are probably unanswerable given the nature of uh, the research we're conducting. All right, Brian, do you have any other parting thoughts or comments before we conclude? Well, I just want to thank you, Chris, and uh, and all the others at Arthroscopy for acknowledging my co-author's efforts, and uh, we really <laughs> enjoyed this opportunity to to highlight uh, the work we're doing. So, I, th- I think all of your questions hit hit the highlights, and I'm again honored and flattered that uh, you thought of us to do this. Absolutely, it was a pleasure having you on, and uh, I think it's a very valuable study, and I'm glad we had a chance to uh, get the word out on this important information. I wanted to congratulate you and the co-authors again on this work, and thank you for sharing your time and your thoughts with us today. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Dr. Forsythe's article titled Corticosteroid Injections One Month Before Arthroscopic Minisectomy Increase the Risk of Surgical Site Infection can be found in the September 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal which is available online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. This concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in the podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.